Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. And hello, everybody. Welcome along. It is high noon in the UK today, Thursday, and uh, it's still grey, miserable and wet outside the cricket season. Feels like it's uh, miles away just yet. You're welcome along to the uh, Cricket Badger podcast, sponsored by Manscaped.com for the best in male grooming. Quote, Badger. And with your order, you get 20% off and you get free shipping. Anyway, it's a great pleasure today to welcome to the podcast, uh, David Griffin. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, James. It's very kind of you to invite me on. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm well. I'm looking out into the garden at the, the nice green grass. There's no frost around. And uh, just that sense that uh, it's not too far away now. I know it's still midwinter, but it's not too far away. The cricket well, you said something that uh, brought joy to my heart a few moments ago. You said before we pressed uh, go live um, that uh, the counties have uh, some pre-season friendlies at the end of March. So we are next month. Cricket comes back. Absolutely, absolutely. It does seem forever. I know it does seem forever, but um, it's if, strangely, we were saying farewell to our granddaughter the other day, me and my wife at the door, and uh, it was quarter past five, and like old people, we come out with it, oh, it's, it's nice and light, the nights are getting long. And I said, no, even though I'm 60, and it comes, the world keeps turning, it still comes as a surprise, doesn't it, that suddenly the, the days are a bit longer and the, the evenings are lighter. Uh, but yeah, it, it's coming. Not long now, James, not long now. I'm going to start off the podcast with some, uh, well, hopefully good news. Um, Jacob Lunn was one of the inductees into the uh, Cricket Badger set of fame last year. The set of fame is something which we set up last year, 14th of February, to celebrate a love of cricket. It doesn't mean that you have to score 10,000 runs a season. It doesn't mean you have to take loads of wickets. 
it doesn't mean you have to do anything much other than show a massive enthusiasm, passion and love of our great game. Jacob um, is a youngster down in Somerset, suffers with autism. He's been on the podcast and he's a great example of how cricket can be such a positive thing in people's lives. Get you out there, get you meeting people and, and uh, bring joy to uh, the heart of, uh, well, certainly for Jacob, massive passionate, passionate Somerset fan. He, um, I gave uh, the inductees uh, last year the task of selecting their kind of followers, their replacements, their successes in the Cricket Badger um, podcast set of fame. And Jacob selected you, David. He's asked me to uh, induct you on the 14th of February into the set of fame because he's watched your videos on Twitter. He's seen the passion you've got for the game and he really likes that. And uh, therefore, uh, we're going to be inducting you into the uh, Cricket Badger set of fame on Valentine's Day. Uh, well, it's very kind of you, and it's very humbling because I, I do see what Jacob does on on Twitter. I do see his sort of cricket adventure, and and he is very heartwarming. And it, and it is a, a a classic example, really. You said right at the start, you don't have to have scored ten thousand runs, and it is very much. It sounds very cliched, but it is a game for everybody. And and Jacob really, really is the kind of embodiment of the the game is for everybody. And uh, I, I'm just delighted. So a big thank you to to Jacob for that recognition. And of course, I'm 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 likewise delighted that uh, you, you think sufficiently well of me to uh, to bestow me with this honour. Thank you. Well, I'd, I mean, before we get on to you, I, I love Jacob. He's been on the podcast before. He's got such a big smile, and he just mm. loves the game. And that's what it's all about. And it, 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 Jacob, to me, reminds me of me when I was his age, getting into cricket and learning to love it. And kind of di- cricket is something I don't think you ever fully discover. Um, I think when Vic Marks was on last year, we talked about the onion and kind of peeling back the onion and getting a bit deeper into the game as you get older. But I don't think you ever fully um, discover the, the full extent of cricket and how it can be, uh, you know, all of the intricacies of it. But it's something that from an early late age, if it kind of bites into you, David, it, it gets you, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's very interesting, James, because I think there's that element of, of I often stop and think, when did I learn about the LBW law? When did I learn about the convention of you stand up to applaud a player off the field when, when they've done something particular? And it's kind of something you almost learned at the knees of, uh, of, of, the, of your elders, you know, yeah. sitting in cricket grounds, listening to people. Um, you know, I don't suppose any county is different to, to Derbyshire. Sitting side on and a player gets it on the pad and somebody shouts, that would never happen. I could tell that from here. And I used to think, how can you tell that from side on? You know, but you pick up these wonderful gems from people. And then it's only in later life you think, I wonder where I did get that from. I don't ever remember reading about the LBW law or anyone telling me, but I kind of knew about it because it was sort of there for me to just pick up from whatever sources it was. I can remember my as well as, as people. I can remember my first day at cricket. I was um, down in Canterbury. My mum's side of the family is uh, from Kent. And um, by default, really, my great uncle was ill. So I ended up getting taken along in his stead. Um, I think I was seven or eight years old. And I was sitting in a stand, the Frank Woolley stand, I think it was. Uh, smoke was wafting around because in those days you could in the stands. Yeah. And uh, I remember the smells. I can remember the sounds. I can remember the green grass. I can remember the appeals. I can remember Jeffrey Boycott walking out there because it was against Yorkshire. Um, and uh, that sort of kind of from from the moment that I did that, um, never looked back. It's always been cricket for me since from then on. Um, can you remember your first uh, your first experience? I most certainly can. Yeah. Um, obviously, we, we my father liked cricket, and we watched cricket on television as, as when I was a kid, sat with my dad watching TV. Um, but my first first class game of cricket, third of August, nineteen seventy four. It is imprinted on my head, my brain, my heart. 
um, we went to watch Derbyshire play Nottinghamshire. And this was when county cricket truly was county cricket. Uh, we, I was born and bred, lived in Ilkeston, and Derbyshire played Nottinghamshire at uh, the beginning of August in 1974. And we went uh, ostensibly because I wanted to see Gary Sobers. And what all I knew of Gary Sobers, an 11 year old boy, was that he'd hit six, six sixes. That was the, the overarching thing that we were going to see this guy who hit six sixes in and over. So we went down to the ground. We watched um, Mike Hendrick and Alan Ward open the bowling. And we got Vankat as well in the side, the Indian test off spinner. So three, three test match bowlers. Sobers scored the fastest century of the season that day, made 130. He scored 25 fours, but no sixes. And as everyone stood up to applaud him off, I turned to my dad and said, but he didn't hit any sixes. And my dad put his hand on my shoulder, looked down at me and he said, he didn't need to. And right. it, it, I get I get goose pimples when I tell that because I remember it like it was yesterday. My dad's gone now, but um, I remember that like it was yesterday. And if you kind of, you know, that's not a made-up story. That's not something that that's, that sounds good for the, for the podcast. That's absolutely true. That was day one of my cricketing uh, life and experience and that very afternoon I joined Derbyshire and I joined Derbyshire as a member because we walked around the boundary at tea and a lady called Mary who ran the membership caravan shouted to me dad is your son a member and um, we walked over to this table and basically uh, for 75 pence I could join Derbyshire for the remainder of that season and the whole of 1975 and my dad was a steel worker, knew the value of every penny. And I think he realised on looking at the fixtures, because then in those days, the fixtures were already out for the following yeah. year. I think he thought, actually, 75 pence here could be money well spent because he won't be pestering me next year uh, yeah. for money on a match-by-match on a, on a match basis. So that, that's where it began. And, and this year is my 50th consecutive year as a, as a Derbyshire member. So it all began there back in 1974. So, yeah, it's amazing how it stays with you. Those those early memories are very, very special, aren't they? That kind of make that love of the game. I, I mean, you kind of partly answered that, but my first real question to you was going to be, what is it about cricket that sucked you in and has kept you? You mentioned 50 years. It's a long time. What What is it about cricket that has kind of kept you going? Well, I think, obviously, you've got to have an interest in the game. There'd be no good going if all you wanted to do was sort of, you know, sit on the boundary and knit or read a book or whatever you've got to have some interest in the game but I've said many many times to anyone who ever asked this question it's very very simple and that is the fellowship of the game for me is the number one uh, issue uh, it doesn't matter where you go around the country it doesn't matter whether it's to a ground in Derbyshire whether it's to an away ground there will be a steward there'll be a barman there'll be a member there'll be a, an occasional supporter who will greet you as though They've known you all their life, and very often there are people you've known all your life, you don't even know what the name is. Yeah. But I know that when we get to Hove in, in June or July, I forget when we're playing there, actually, I know that there'll be people on the gate, there'll be people sitting in the deck chairs at the top end of the ground that, that we'll go and have five, ten minutes with. And it's that joy, and all, all the problems, all the counties are always the same from a member's perspective. Um, I think the other thing about county cricket was it's always its accessibility. As a boy, we used to bowl at the the, the batsman. It, I guess young cricketers can scarcely imagine that this used to happen. But you know, bowlers at Derbyshire certainly back in the seventies would sit in the dressing room, Hendo with his pipe, and uh, Phil Russell with his pipe. Others would be smoking. The batsman would go out for a knock up against the advertising boards, and it would be us kids who would chuck a ball, and you weren't allowed to bowl; you had to throw. Um, I I bowled you know, Alan we, not out. I got <laughs> Alan not out down in Canterbury. 
Well, they all did it. All they wanted was to feel bat on ball. So they were quite happy. What the bowlers weren't going to do it, so we'd go and do it. And and it was that thrill because suddenly these guys became heroes overnight. You know, some of them were only five, six, seven years older than I was as a teenager, mm-hmm. but still, they were these were our heroes. And and I think it's all of that. That and you see it even now when Wayne Madsen walks out of the uh, the pavilion at Derby, or when he walks back in, and you see the joy on kids' faces. 2020 nights, the, the animation when they see these players, when Shan Massoud walked off, of course, Yorkshire are going to benefit from that <laughs> this coming season. But it's that wonderful closeness that you can get to, to players within the county game. So I would say fellowship and accessibility are, are the, the great drivers for me. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. One of my happiest three weeks in cricket was out in the UAE and spent two weeks with Derbyshire. Um, Wade Madsen and Billy Godelman and all the guys out there. And it was really nice because Derbyshire is such a, they were all so friendly. So, um, I mean, I don't want to knock Yorkshire, but Yorkshire, uh, I can't remember many times where a Yorkshire player turned to me and said, how are you? What, what are you doing tomorrow? Um, whereas the Derbyshire lads were genuinely interested in me and we're chatting and, and, and what have you. And still got, I'm still in touch with Billy and still in touch with Wayne every now and again. What's nice about Wayne is you, you don't see him for three years. He's at the other end of a car park. He'll spot you and he'll wave at you and you go and have a chat with him. It's kind of what you talk about, the fellowship, isn't it? But uh, they're a really nice bunch of lads, aren't they, the Derbyshire guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, 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 I obviously have much greater contact with Derbyshire players than than others. But in the main, you, you generally find, or I certainly do. You know, you normally sat on the boundary with a camera. Um, that you you find most most county players will will say hello. Uh, there's a greater movement, of course, of players now around the country. So you know, you can be on a boundary photograph in Leicestershire and Derbyshire, and suddenly you see Amish Rutherford, and you think, mm. guy used to play for us. And often somebody says hello, and you can't, you can't, can't remember who it was because they're, they're in. <laughs> And out, aren't they, players nowadays, particularly from overseas? Uh, but yeah, Derbyshire lads, you, you can't fault them. They're, 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 I, I generally, Alex Hughes uh, retired from the first class game at the end of last season, and, and I put on uh, Twitter that, you know, unfailingly polite. Uh, and, and it absolutely was, and that applies to all of them. You know, you ask them for something, whether it's an interview, a photograph, an autograph, whatever, they, they all are, are a great, great bunch of lads, no doubt about that. Yeah, I've got I've got nothing but high praise for all of them. Um, had a really nice time out there with uh, and the guys in the in the UAE. I mean, it's hard to have this chat without kind of getting back to last summer and about the restructuring of the county game and Andrew Strauss's report. And I mean, he did the uh, the Calgary lecture, um, reading the kind of the quotes from that this morning about um, how he thinks that franchise cricket is an amazing thing and uh, and what have you. And um, what was the phrase? Annie Chave quoted it this morning on Twitter. Let me see if I can find it. Um, she, um, the treadmill or something, or the kind of constant treadmill of county cricket. Um, 
there is that they're almost it, it feels like a bit I've mentioned this on on Twitter before it feels a bit like brexit at the moment cricket there's kind of everything's very much polarized isn't it you you either love the county game or you love the hundred there's nothing in between you love franchise cricket you don't um and there the de- def- definitely a move wasn't there last summer to um, minimise the number of county championship games, try and um, keep the 100 shoehorned into August and, and what have you. The county scene, you were a big part of that. I watched your videos on Twitter in the morning where you were um, banging away about how you thought about um, the county system. The county game kind of revolted in a way, didn't it? The members actually found a voice. And that when I set up Propose the 100, David, it wasn't because I didn't want progress. It wasn't because I didn't want the game to evolve because the game's always got to evolve and move with the mm. times. But it was more to try and give county fans a little bit of a voice because I think all too often people in suits in, in offices at Lords or wherever make decisions without really thinking about the, the county supporters who are important, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd, I've never felt more, this is, this is not intended as a pun, but I've never felt more disenfranchised from the international game than I do now because throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s when I was watching county cricket, day in, day out, you were watching your international cricketers and you'd lose them if they were your own, like at Derbyshire, we'd, we'd lose you know, Taylor Miller, Hendrick in the 70s and into the 80s, people like Kim and, and Devon, DeFratis in the 90s and Dominic, of course. Um, but you accepted that was part of it. But in the meantime, you watched their progression to the international game. And once they'd been and played a test match, they would then come back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think back to 1977, my first test match, I went to Trent Bridge, see him both and make his test debut. Um, and when the match finished on the Tuesday, on the Wednesday, he was at Ilkeston in front of 11,000 people playing alongside Viv and Joel and Brian Close against Derbyshire side with Eddie Barlow, John Wright, Hendrick Miller, uh, and and Taylor, and so you saw these players close up, and you felt you felt that they were part of you. You saw Chris Old, you saw Jeff Boycott, you saw Alan Knott. You mentioned him earlier on a daily basis. And whilst the the England cricket team's got some wonderfully talented uh, cricketers, you know Joe Root's a great example. I saw him score two hundred and thirty six ten years ago uh, in the same game. Chesney Hughes got two hundred and seventy up at Leeds, but I've scarcely seen him play since, apart from the odd. Um, T20 match against against Derbyshire, and so you you sense that while you can admire him from afar, you don't feel that he's part of the game that I know, mm-hmm. and and that's quite a sad state of affairs. However, I think by adding the hundred, you just brought in another competition that disenfranchised people like me, because basically Derbyshire aren't in it. And I said right at the outset when the options were on the table in 2016 that if it was a tournament that Derbyshire weren't in, I didn't see how I would be able to engage with it. The bigger issue for me is quite simple, and I I will lay my cards firmly on the table here. I'm 61 in April, and this is not about what I want, because sometimes we're accused of trying to look after ourselves, we're accused of being selfish, we're accused of this small group of people who just want what they like and they want to retain it for themselves. The truth is I've had the best that English county cricket could offer, I suspect, over the last 50 years. But I was able to watch county cricket around the country, and I particularly refer to August, when in August, if you were prepared to travel, um, you could watch 25 days cricket back in the 1970s, 80s, and even into the 90s. This year, Derbyshire play eight days of cricket in August. Four of those are at home. 
It's the one month of the year when every child is off school. For me personally, with a wife, a family, a beautiful granddaughter, actually having most of August off is great. And mm. if, the, if the cricket programme did shrink, it would be great personally for me in terms of how much time I would get to spend with my family and everybody else. But the big question is, what does the little David Griffin, who went to watch Gary Sobers play against Derbyshire at Ilkeston in 1974, what does he go and watch or what does she go and watch this coming August? The answer is not a lot, mate. Mm. And that's the problem we've got, that if we don't expose the game sufficiently at county level, then what do you do? And, and I hear about the attraction of the 100, and although it doesn't look any different to me in terms of the crowd, to 2020 cricket, and I might be sounding a bit controversial now, I do like 2020 cricket, but I wouldn't take my three-year-old granddaughter to a 2020 match because I wouldn't want to expose it to what I listen to on the boundary, on the terraces, watching 2020 mm. cricket. I think the crowds can be quite awful, to be honest. If I was going to take it to any cricket, it would probably be a nice, leisurely four-day game. But guess what? Mm. There ain't none in August. So it's about, you know, I, I remember just one last very quick anecdote. In, in 2005, a guy called Don Amott, who was the, the king of caravans, owns off the East Coast, big leisure industry man, became chairman of Derbyshire. And I was the honorary secretary of the club at the time, and he said to me, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't cricket supposed to be part of the leisure industry, industry part of sport, part of entertainment? I said, yes. And he looked at me and said, in that case, why don't we play it when people can watch it? So we have a period after the 20th of May where there are 19 Saturdays left in the season and we're only scheduled to play cricket on one of those Saturdays. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing that frustrates me. I have no idea if there is an audience out there anymore for county cricket. I don't know. But what I do know is if we don't bring cricket, county cricket back to the weekends when people are available to watch it, we'll never know. But my biggest issue... Give it a try. My, my biggest issue, David, and I agree with everything you just said, was that the 100 came in and they gave it a load of investment, gave it a load of bells and whistles. They seem to have kept back a load of like holograms and things like that, which they could have used in test matches or anything else, but they'd obviously kept them back for the 100 to try and make the 100 special. And I've got no got no issue with, um, you know, if somebody likes the 100, great. If it's getting into cricket, great. But what I wanted, what I would have preferred them to have done is invested in the county game and actually shown faith in the county game. You talk to overseas players, they love the county game. They think it's great. You know, Jason Gillespie, I've seen Justin Langer talk about his time at Somerset. There's a lot of county, you know, Ricky Ponting said that county cricket is a fantastic product. Believe in what you've got and actually put that investment into that. You know, give that the bells and whistles. Give that the love, that the attention, that the marketing. And actually um, big up what you've got. And if that ultimately fails, then nobody, none of us can complain then because they've got at least given it a try. Um, I, I mean, I, I was maybe even more controversial than you. You might not agree with this, but I thought if you were going to bring in something new and fancy, bring in a T10 into the county game, play it over three weeks in at the end, uh, you know, two weeks or whatever at the end of August or something like that. Get the kids into that. Play the have the 18 counties. Play three games on the same ground on the same day, and at least. Um, at least get the 18 counties playing this new fancy thing to try and excite a new audience. Uh, it seems to me there wasn't room for another competition and everything else has been yeah. just marginalised. Well, of course, back in 2016, and sometimes you, you often, um, you know, it's forgotten, I guess, I guess because um, of, of the noise and the mood music in relation to franchise cricket and the way that it's gone since then. But of course, there was an option on the table for the 18 counties in 2016, which included 
uh, a Premier League and a Championship, if you like, just to simplify yeah. it, of an eight-team top division and a ten-team bottom division. Um, but that was not accepted. Now, I've never quite worked out why. I've got my own theories, and I think, I suspect the theory is that um, because it was promotion and relegation, it would have put at risk those clubs that wanted to retain the, the premiership position, if you like. Mm. And, of course, it had the 2018, because they, they were going to bring it in originally in 2018, and had it come in in 2018, and the top division of eight had been the top four from the north and the top four from the south, shock horror, the Premier League would have included teams like Derbyshire and Leicestershire. Uh, which, of course, I'm not too sure uh, everyone wanted, but it just kind of strikes me as all a bit frustrating in the end because ultimately the only the only measurement, if you like, of success of the 100 will surely be in five years' time are more people involved in cricket then than were before. And if the answer is no, they're not, well, it's failed, hasn't it? That can only be... And the problem is how do we measure it? How do we measure it? And also, by playing the 100 in August, and I do have an issue with this, if you are a young person who's, who's been to watch a game in the 100 and you say, I'd like to go and now watch some proper cricket, the problem is that when you get to September, the children yeah. are all back at school and the cricket's all played in the week. Yeah. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you, if you want to decry the domestic game as being watched by old people, well, keep playing it Monday to Friday, which is largely what we do, because mm. they're the only people who can watch it. What would, I mean, Derbyshire, Leicestershire, Northants, the usual suspects are always mentioned as being um, potentially surplus to requirements when it comes to the county game. Let's strip it back down. Let's get it down to 12 teams. Let's get rid of these small counties that don't offer the game anything at all. What would you say to that? Well, it's an option, isn't it? I mean, it is something that, that you know, obviously the, the Articles Association allow for changes, but, but it would be, you know, Turkey's voting for Christmas. Um, I think it's about opportunity, surely. If you if you were to, to, to remove the smaller counties, one of the interesting things about Derbyshire, Leicestershire, Northamptonshire is they're in this sort of centre of the country triangle. Uh, if you get rid of those, you've got Lancashire and Yorkshire and Durham in the north and then Nottinghamshire and, and Warwickshire in the, in the Midlands. And there will, of course, our opponents will say, well, that's all you need, these smaller centres of excellence. But that assumes it is just about the, the 20 players on your playing staff mm. but it's not it's also about women's cricket disabled cricket age group cricket it's about what else the grounds do and provide about employment about um, the opportunities for people to come and do other things I mean wonderful stuff going off down at Gloucestershire for example uh, where there's a lot of uh, you see it on Twitter all the time uh, bringing people together to talk about well not just cricket but all sorts of things I look at the work that our foundation is doing at, at Derbyshire and all counties have got wonderful trusts or foundations that are doing lots and lots of work and you know if you remove the county if you get rid of them then you presumably you lose all of that too and so you know, it, it, the great thing about county cricket is that, by and large, you, you're not far away from a county ground. And why would you want to take that away? There's an egalitarianism about county cricket, which simply doesn't exist in other sports. Cricket is consistently, through the ages, criticised for its elitism. And it's far from perfect now because we know there are huge problems, particularly in relation to diversity and equality still within the game. But nonetheless... The game brings to the centre all of this big pot of money 
And that pot of money largely comes from you and me. It's from the people. You know, it's no difference to taxation, if you like, and government money at the centre. It's the people's money. And then the game spreads it out to the 18 counties, to the non-first-class counties, to to recreational cricket. And I just think that is that is wonderful. That is a, a splendid, splendid egalitarian system, unlike football and rugby, where the devil takes the hindmost. You know, you've got a club like Manchester United that last year posted a loss in the first half of the year of half a billion pounds, while still yeah. paying players two and three hundred grand a week. Whereas our game is sustained by by the people, essentially. And I, and I, I, I think the model is wonderful. You are listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen, to the deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. David Griffin is the guest on the Cricket Badger podcast today. We were talking about the counties and <coughs> there. Um, I mean, I, I always refer to it, David, as um, spreading the tentacles of the game. You know, England's not a huge country you know, in terms of miles across it. You talk to people in Australia, it's kind of, you know, some of them have next-door neighbours that are as far away as Durham to, to Devon. But yep. um, the, the population centres are dispersed, aren't they? And if you start to um, take away opportunities in some of those areas, you, it's going to be very, very hard to get them back. If you take away Northamptonshire, for example, um, and that becomes a non-cricketing county or a minor county, and the investment isn't there, then cricket will die in those places. You know, if you think about Somerset, I had Andy Nash on, who's a big advocate of um, county cricket, and he was saying, oh, oh, we were t- talking about the Overton twins. You know, if if um, Somerset hadn't existed, where would they have gone? Because they wouldn't have probably, you know, they'd have taken up rugby, they'd have done something else. They wouldn't have travelled all the way to the next county to play uh, county cricket, or the chances are they wouldn't have done. So you deny some of these people, the Marcus Triscothics, the, I mean, look at Durham. You take Durham out of the equation, Mark Wood, some of the great players that have come in, Ben Stokes that have come from the Durham setup over the last few years, some of the country's best players. Um, would they have played cricket if they'd had to travel all the way to Headingley from um, Chesterley Street or Durham or wherever? Unlikely, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. And, of course, the counties are a part of the fabric of the community. You know, mm. I guess you could have this same conversation about football and say, well, we only need the Premier League because the Premier League is what everybody watches on television. It's what, you know, the match of the day is all about the Premier League. Premier League, yeah. Premier League. It's the biggest selling league in the world. It's the most popular, etc. So shall we just go with the Premier League and, and, and the say let the, let the rest go? Well, no, because even the smaller clubs, there's one down the road, Burton Albion, you know, they're a part of a community. And there are how many of them? 70-odd, is it? Or is it 72 outside of the Premier League? You know, these are all little hotbeds in their own way of, of football. And cricket's exactly the same. I mean, it follows historically, of course. The, 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 the counties follow the railways. That's why the, the counties are where they are. I don't know if you're learning something new today, James. But that, that's, 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 is that right? That's, yeah, absolutely. That's why if you look at a map, you've got traditionally your, uh, Manchester and Leeds, then down the spine of the country, Nottingham and Derby, off to uh, the West Midlands, and then down into the southeast and down to the southwest, 
Uh, and that's that's it followed the railways going back to the 19th century. That's how I suppose that makes sense when people didn't have cars, did they? So they, you mm, traveled exactly. to the, yeah. yeah. Hey, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, that, that was the, um, the the other thing that a lot of people suggest is that the counties live off handout subsidies. They live off charity, effectively, almost, from the ECB. I mean, you talked about the fact that that pot of money is distributed around the, the around the game. I mean, I know from having worked in, in at Yorkshire, which is obviously a test match ground, but um, the amount of work you do with the ECB, hand in hand, to try and promote the game with them, and, you know, it, it isn't just the ECB sitting in their ivory tower. They come out and see you. You go and see them. You get joint, joined up thinking and you kind of you, you execute the plans together. Um, and the counties earn that uh, money to a large degree. And they obviously provide the players yeah. too. I think it's quite emotive because I'm in, just go referring back to football again. We talk, they, the, the, the phrase used is TV money. Mm. In cricket, it's a handout. And there's a massive difference between the two. Uh, I think we just have to be clear, the game generates in this country apparently round about £600 million a year. The TV deal to the ECB is worth two or £300 million. And where does the ECB, where does the Sky get their money from? Well, about 80 85% of Sky income comes from us. And the rest of it comes from sponsors, which again is us, because we're the ones that buy the tyres and the cars and the, the, the shaving products and everything else. So it's basically it's our money. And it goes to Sky, and Sky make a, a decision um, as the principal cricket broadcaster to buy a product from the ECB. Uh, and in return, what we get then is a share of that money. Uh, handouts, I, I just I just find it a little bit, I'm not going to say it's offensive, but it, it's not a handout. It is part of our entitlement, I, I, I would argue. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, James, I mean, if the game wants to retract and go to a, a centre of eight counties or eight franchises which play four day cricket the 100 20 over cricket 50 over cricket, 10 over cricket then you know if that is the, the the direction of travel well then we that is something we may have to face in the future but i think if we do uh, how many hundreds of thousands millions of people will drop off from the game if you do that what will the people there is no franchise side in somerset or in gloucestershire so what will the people, and there's some wonderfully uh, passionate and, and, and interesting people down in the southwest. I've got to know many of them over the years. Where do they go? Where do they go? If Somerset and Gloucester should disappear and we just have eight big centres, are they going to go across the border to, to Wales? Are they going to come inland and go to Birmingham or to Hampshire? They're probably just going to drop off the cricketing landscape. Um, find something else to do, don't you? Yeah, if you, if, you, if you suddenly denied opportunity, you'll find an opportunity elsewhere. And that might be football, it might be rugby, it might be not in exactly. sport at all. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's actually happened with county cricket because of scheduling. Because there is so little weekend cricket, mm. um, the, the, the result is people have, over the last 20 years, found something else to do. As I write at the start of this podcast, I've no idea if that audience is ready to come back or if there's a new audience ready to join county cricket but the only way you'll ever find out is to make it as accessible as possible mm. and shout about it and look as it i always think with with the ecb and I've, i'm not knocking the ecb but the oh, i am i suppose um but if you don't look like as the governing body if you don't look like you love what you're offering the public how are you expected how are you expecting the public to look to, to love it back yeah. yeah if you get the moment they look as if they love the hundred they shout about the hundred they talk about the hundred in superlatives and how wonderful it's going to be and therefore people respond to that they don't talk about county championship cricket in the same way they don't talk about the t the t20 blast the t20 blast almost feels like it's a bit of a uh 
an inconvenience now. It's kind of something they've got to kind of carry on doing to appease people rather yeah. than because they actually really love it. If you don't look like you love something, how are you expected that love to be returned? Yeah, it, it, it's our game. And even if there are, it's almost like your family, isn't it? Other people can criticise your family, but but, but you, 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 sorry, you can criticise your family. But yeah, I can say. <laughs> you sort of get your, it gets you back up a little bit. And, you, and it's the same with the game. We've got enough people saying, what's this game? Oh, it's boring. Have you watch cricket, do you? Isn't that boring? Doesn't it go on forever? I've had this all my life, people saying mm-hmm. that to me. So what we should be doing with Inside the Game, I used this phrase last season, proclaim the game. You know, just 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 shout it from the rooftops. It's a wonderful, wonderful, engaging game. Um, why would people want to be? Why would anyone want to damage that? Proclaim it. I would, might be people watching this and listening to this later who saying, "Well, you're just two white middle-aged blokes whinging about um, progress." I don't think I've ever been anti-progress, David. I don't. I mean, I'll get your response to this in a minute. But I mentioned, you know, having a T10 competition involved in the 18 counties. I, I don't mind it being shaken up a bit if it actually, to me, looks like it's doing some good and is still involving the entire country, still involving potentially 18 counties, and still actually looking like it's loving cricket and and bring, and taking it carefully to the next generation. Don't mind change at all. I don't mind evolving. Things have to change. Um, if we didn't change, we'd not be doing this now because we wouldn't have computers to be able to do this mm. this, this chat. Things have to move on. Um, but what would your response be to that? That you don't want change. You're stuck in the mud. You just you know, you you, you, set, you set in the 70s and 80s, David. Well, I was brought up on 40 over cricket, 55 over cricket, 60 over cricket, three day cricket, and um, <clears throat> we have huge variety. We have the variety of a championship match starting on Saturday. Resuming on a Monday and then into the Tuesday, and in the middle on the Sunday, we had a Sunday league game. I wouldn't hesitate to go back to that now. But of course, the players want to play cricket in blocks. But I would be completely radical. I would absolutely have no issue whatsoever with saying, let's put the 40, let's put a 40 over game back into the, the mix on a Sunday afternoon. Let's start championship cricket on a, on a Saturday. I would even go as far as to say that there could be reintroduction of three day cricket because. One of the problems with four-day cricket is the over eight is so slow. Mm. Uh, I know you're a little younger than I, but when I first started watching cricket, when the first, I mean, they didn't have to legislate to start with uh, for the amount of overs to be bowled in a day. But once they did legislate for the number to be bowled in a day, it was 118. It's now 96. And mm. as Tony Borrington, a former Derbyshire batsman, said to me not so long ago, David, where have those 22 overs gone? We play exactly the same hours in a day. Where have the 22 overs gone? Mm-hmm. Um, we, are, we are, I think it was Christopher Martin Jenkins, who when four-day cricket first began, said that on average we don't bowl any more overs in a completed four-day game than we bowl in a completed three-day game. So I would, I'm all for change. I would certainly change. I bring in huge, huge penalties for over-8s. I think the over-8s are absolutely appalling. Uh, and I would bring in huge changes. I would certainly make changes where pitch is concerned. I think it's outrageous that counties, if it's a dangerous pitch, fair enough, but I think pitches that turn or pitches that have got a lot of bounce, so long as it's not dangerous, no problem at all. And this this kind of, let's make all the pitches the same, I, I, don't, I don't hold with that at all. I'm a great believer in, you know, you create a bit. One of the great, great things about county cricket back in the day was if you came to Derby or to Chesterfield, you got a green top and you better be ready for Michael Holding and Devon Malcolm and Mike Hendrick and Rico because they'll be at you. Or you, or you make you sure also, you're injured that week before. Absolutely. Yeah. But you also know if you went down into the to the southeast, 
you, you'd have uh, Ray East and David Ackfield at, 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 at mm-hmm. Essex, and woe betide you if you thought you were going to get any pace and bounce off yeah, their pitches. Every, every that ground was, had, that made you an all-rounded, a much yeah, more rounded. Northampton used to spin, didn't it? You know, you'd, every Absolutely. ground had its own peculiarities, and you'd kind of had to get ready for that, wouldn't you? It's, yeah, yeah, everything was different. Whereas everything, people seem to want everything uniform now. They want to be able yeah. to understand the same. You know, everything has to be the same everywhere you go, and it's that's not great. You want to have your I, own geographical I, I variations. The joy of absolute, the joy of playing on all these kind of different pitches with different boundary lengths. You know the big broad boundaries you get at Grace Road and at, and at Derby actually. Um, you know wonderful. They challenge cricketers, challenge them properly to play against all sorts of uh, of, uh, of different bowlers. And of course we saw, didn't we, in recent years the the issues they had down at, at Taunton. And uh, I know you can argue, well they can. They could get used to playing on that. But I remember back in the 80s, there was a lot of squealing about Nottinghamshire. They won the title in 81 and 87. Um, and they said, oh, well, they made the pitches green in the middle and scuffed up the end so Hadley and Rice could... As though Hadley and Rice couldn't bowl or anything other than that. <laughs> you know, we still went and played. We got Michael Holden and Stan Mortensen. So it was up to us to back our bowlers against their bowlers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so there's plenty of things I would happily bring in that, that would change. I just think that there's no need to take it away from the 18 counties. I could even cope. I mean, I hate nicknames. I've never called Derbyshire the Falcons, right? Because I'm just not a fan of But if they really, really want to, and I noticed about half the counties have dropped their nicknames now, but if they wanted to bro have a competition where it was just the county, uh, they drop the county name and just have a nickname in order to try somehow to attract a new audience, as they've done with 100, I can cope with that. You know, change, I haven't got an issue with change at all. It's about change that reduces opportunity. I've got plenty to say about that. That that is no good to man the beast. My name is Jacob and I sent the badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Taste the Mediterranean through March 19th at Whole Foods Market. Save on Animal Welfare Certified Bone-In Beef Short Ribs, Sustainable Wild-Caught Sockeye Salmon, and more. Find sales on Parmigiano-Reggiano, Charcuterie and Ground Lamb. Grab an Olive Bull Bread from the Bakery. Plus, wines from the Mediterranean start at just $8.99. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Must be 21+. plus. Please drink responsibly. You said earlier about feeling um, a long way away from the international setup at the moment. I mean, I, I look at around the world at these franchise competitions that are being played. I mentioned Andrew Strauss talking about how uh, possibly you know, productive they could be, and that's how the game's changing. And it does seem to be the direction of travel, isn't it? There's a new um, franchise competition pops up seemingly every week at the moment. Some of them, there's two or three played at the same time. But it feels to me like it's um, very much like... Um, watching the same player just playing in a different country, wearing a different shirt, but playing the same game, just gets monotonous. There doesn't seem to be any very, there doesn't seem to be any jeopardy on any of these games. There doesn't seem to be anything that's unique about them anymore. When we when we brought in T Twenty in the early two thousands, and everybody thought it was a bit of a joke, but then soon realised that it actually was a bit of fun. Really, it was quite good. This this is going to actually do something. It's different. Um, the the joy of that or the beauty of that was that it was. Um, there wasn't that many games. Yeah, you went along and you maybe saw four games in a season. And um, so the, it was a bit unique. It was a bit interesting. 
they're every day now and they've killed the golden goose, haven't they? But I, I don't criticize the players. If I'm, a, if I'm a player, if I'm 22 at the moment, I will go off and play the Bangladesh Premier League. I'll go off and play the big bash. I want to look after my, um, my bank account and make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm set for life. Don't blame them at all. But the, surely somebody in the ICC, somebody at the top of the tree needs to just kind of marshal this a little bit. It's dangerous, isn't it? Yes, and I think there are two two points we make. One, you, you quoted Andrew Strauss and talking about the county treadmill, and yet you've perfectly described a, a much much more demanding treadmill, which is that one of of playing around the, around the world in franchise. In fact, I had the TV on the other day, and I can't remember. I think it was probably the England international game against South Africa, the first or second one. But I heard a commentator talking about the travelling that these players, these white ball cricketers are going through and, and, and almost a sob story about, you know, and of course you, you struggle, don't you, to sympathise too much with cricketers being flown around the world first class. But uh, I thought at that time, I thought, yeah, you know, would you, yes, there's plenty of, of rewards on offer, but I think that's as much a treadmill, um, if yeah. not worse, actually, than the county, what is described as the county treadmill. But the second point... I think it's quite a dangerous area we're moving into because we're hearing about cricketers who are saying, well, I'm going to take a white ball contract only, for example, and they're going to commit to white ball cricket. But I just don't think that these number of tournaments are sustainable. I suspect no. they probably aren't. And if they're not careful, you could find cricketers who've made that commitment to the white ball that suddenly they realise that that's gone, particularly if they're not of the, the senior statute cricketers, the real gun cricketers, so to speak. And suddenly they find themselves out of work. And then they come back into the English game, if they are English uh, qualified players or, or what. Well, yeah, English qualified, there may be some overseas. Um, and find there is no place for them back in the game. Because mm. sure as eggs is eggs. I tell you now, if the entire Derbyshire squad or any other county squad all went on block to go and play abroad somewhere else, there'd be 20 people queuing up for a county contract. I might get my you know, chance, with, finally. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so you know, I, I don't worry too much about players going and I certainly don't worry about them going to earn the money because that's yeah. it's a job, isn't it? Um, but there's just that fear that if they're not careful, if they're not right at the top of the tree, they could suddenly find themselves literally up a creek with a bat but with nobody to, to go and play for. So I still think a county career can be a very, very commendable one and a relatively rewarding one financially. Um without the great riches of, of what the, the, the franchise tournaments offer. I, I don't like the phrase treadmill and kind of, but I, I do, I, I kind of, I, I do go somewhere towards that in terms of the county um, game. I, I just think this fixture list is just, doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I'm going back a few years now, but I know when I was covering Yorkshire home and away, I, I did the, uh, I did Liverpool for four days, day off down to Worcester for a one day game, day off to travel down to Taunton for a four day game, day off to travel to Hove for a four day game, back up the motorway, T20 blast started, you're into a month of um, T20 comp- going all over the place to, to follow that. It can be all consuming, can't it? I mean, you know, you go and you, you do it with Derbyshire. Um, there needs to be a little bit of um, a few days off here and there for players. There's not many days off in a, in a county season where a player can just put his feet up and actually relax without having to do any work. Even on what looks like a day off, they're travelling or they're training or they're doing something else. Um, they are human beings at the end of the day, David. And if you're paying your money through the turnstiles to go and see Wayne Madison play, you'd like to think that he's 100%. When he's, he's bounced out of bed, he's 100% lively and he's really up for it. There must be plenty of days where Wayne bounces out of bed and thinks, blimey, I'm knackered. Um, that can't be good for cricket either. We need to kind of respect the fact that these are human beings a little bit. 
I absolutely agree. I think the problem is we've got a 180-day season and we play 80 days cricket. Mm. So the, what you've just described, there are, I, I'm not going to say they're days off because the last thing I want is cricketers bombarding me with, they're not days off. But the fact is there are 120 days on which they're not playing mm. professional cricket, but there are 80 days on which they are. So if it's scheduled properly, they should get what you've just described. The problem we had last year was there was a period after the final 50-over game. I think we had about 16 days without any cricket. Mm. Um, we've, we've got periods throughout the, the, the season where I think in the first few weeks we there's, there's a 10-day period, a 12-day period where there's no cricket. And if you're not careful, particularly for Red Bull cricketers who've not play, played in the 50-over competition um, last season, you were, you were looking at having played your last Red Bull game in the middle of July and not playing another one until September. And almost needing a new pre-season before you you went into it, and I don't think that's any good either. But we've we've fallen victim to this desire, and it is player driven, to to play cricket in blocks, and I kind of get that. But then I tend to use again look at football. Is is it good for footballers to play four games over Christmas? When I was a kid, they used to play Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Believe it or not. Um, is it is it good? The managers always complain, but they still keep doing it. And why do they do it? Because it's what the public want, it's what the TV uh, uh, companies want. And you know, cricket, I, I, you, you, it's easy to understand. The, the, the biggest issue I have with people who are friends of mine that used to watch cricket and don't watch it now. Whenever I speak to them, they say the same thing. Because I say, "Well, your kids are grown up now. I don't want you." They always say, "I don't know when the cricket's being played," because there is such a lack of structure yeah. to the structure. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think we could fit it. And funnily enough, Mickey Arthur stood up at the members' forum at the end of September last year when we were debating the high performance review, and he said the view from the dressing room is that we don't play too much cricket. It's almost like the Morecambe and Wise Andre Previn job. In it. You know, I'm playing the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order. And yeah. it's the same with our cricket. We, we we play the right amount of cricket, but we play it at the wrong time. I mean, me and you, fixtures come out, you write them down. That, that's that's what we do. The kind of the people you're looking at to try and attract into the game don't do that, do they? So they're looking from outside of the game into it. It must be an absolute mess in their heads. You're looking at it thinking, well, what's that competition mean? Why are they playing that then? When are they next playing at home? The competition rules change um, every every so often as well. So you turn up for thinking you're going to be watching the same thing and the, the tournament's a different structure or something. It's a group stage rather than a knock whatever. It all change. It must be an absolute mystery for some people. We're talking about trying to grow the game and bring these people in and we're making it as hard as possible for them to understand it, aren't we? Well, we've done to the four-day game what moving all Saturday afternoon three o'clock kickoffs in football to Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock would do. Because mm. yes. if you did that, the only people who could watch two o'clock Premier League football or, or other division football at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon would be retired people. That, that would be it. And that's basically what they've done to four-day four cricket. And the beauty um, with football, David, is that generally speaking, I know they play Friday nights and Tuesday nights and all sorts now, but you're at home one weekend, you're away the next weekend. That's generally yeah. speaking our football say. I mean, there are differences to that as cup competitions come in, but cricket isn't like that, is it? You play three yeah. home games and then you're not home again for two months. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah. And I think the most frustrating element is that 25 years since we changed the scheduling to not include championship matches starting at the weekend and making sure there was a one-day game on a Sunday, 
no one from the governing body has ever actually come out beyond saying, well, we've got lots of scheduling issues. We've got to think about test matching, women's cricket and everything else. But in actual fact, they're all irrelevant because we've always played cricket when test matches roll. We've always played. Whatever else is going on in the international game, we've always just got on with our game, as it were. And still no one has ever actually properly explained why, for example, when we start the cricket season in April, the first six championship matches are played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, rather than either Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. No one's actually ever explained that, why, why that situation is. And um, as I say, we have an entire generation now over the last 25 years have got out of the habit of going to watch cricket on a Saturday. Yeah. But if we ever want to get them back, the only chance we've got is to say, right, here you go, here's the schedule, and that sticks for the next five years to at least give people the opportunity to say, all oh, right, so every week, every other weekend on a Saturday, Derbyshire start a hangout. Right, got that. Because as you say, otherwise, it's just a complete conundrum, isn't it? It's a mystery. It's been really good to have you on the podcast today. We could talk about this probably for about another five hours easily, couldn't we, without even drawing breath. But we're going to have to uh, call it a day at some stage. Um, finally, let's let's look ahead to the sunshine. Let's look ahead to the season coming, um, and Derbyshire in particular. Hopes and fears, dreams for 2023? Well, I think, I mean, my, my oft-quoted, uh, well, by me anyway, um, a statistic from 2022, was that Derbyshire in all formats won more games than we lost. And I can hear our enormous audience out there saying, and? But actually, that was the first time we'd won more games than we'd lost in a season since 1996, when I was 34, about five stone lighter. And we had (laughs) Dean Jones as captain, Kim Barnett and Adrian Rollins at the top of the order, and a fast bowling attack that included Devon Malcolm, Philip DeFreitas, Dominic Cork, um, we got a young Kevin Dean and, and, you know, I mean, Chris Adams was blazing away in the middle order. Carl Cricken behind the sticks. So we had an absolutely outstanding self, which finished second in the county championship, believe it or not, as Leicestershire won it. Um, a wonderful, wonderful, glorious summer. And so whatever Mickey Arthur did last year, he certainly managed to turn around something. Now, a lot of people talk about, there's a, there's a great word in cricket, where, well, in life generally, people talk about the culture, going to change the culture. And somebody once said to me, the culture just means the way we do things around here. And I love that. And the way Mickey Arthur does things around Derbyshire is he's got a smile on his face, a public smile on his face. He's absolutely embedded within the the membership and within the spectator base. You can see that. I've never seen in all my years watching county cricket what I saw at Hove in June when he walked around the boundary and the sharks stand down in the corner a smattering of a couple of dozen Derbyshire fans, spontaneous round of applause as he walked past. It was quite humbling to see, you know, that, that you get in football all the time, but very rare in cricket. But I suspect that Mickey in the dressing room is a very uncompromising, tough kind of character. You don't achieve the things he's achieved without that. Uh, uh, but of course, he's also got, you know, he signed Shah Masood, who was an inspired signing. But, you know, uh, Brooke Gaspin move up the order to number three. Uh, and, and nearly a thousand runs as a wicketkeeper, Alex Dahl nearly a thousand runs batting at seven. Uh, Wayne Madsen just had a remarkable season. He's 39 now, you know, and he just seems to be getting better and better. So I think what Mickey's done is put a smile on the faces of, of everybody in Derbyshire cricket. Mm. And I genuinely think that anything's possible. I really do. We've signed Matt Lamb from Warwickshire, we've signed um, um, uh, Zach Chappell 
and they said Glen Chapel. Um, he's come, you know, he, he, uh, I remember him making his debut for Leicestershire Derby. We've got Haider Ali coming from uh, from Pakistan. So, and, and of course, Lakmal's coming back. Saranga Lakmal, who only played four or five games to start last season before he got injured. So he's coming back. You've got young Sam Connors, Ben Aitchison. We've got three spinners, including Mark Watt, who's joining the staff full-time for the first time. So there's real cause for optimism. New captain in, in deploy. We've still got Lewis Reese and Billy Goddard. Some good players there. Some good players there. And I think, you know, hit the ground running with the confidence of last season. We got to a quarterfinal. Yeah, we got absolutely hammered at, uh, at Taunton, but we got there, which is a sign of progress. So I think, generally speaking, everybody is optimistic about the summer because last year we were optimistic before it began, but there was still that sense of, well, he's got to do it. Well, he did. No doubt, put a smile back on everybody's faces, and and I'm I'm very confident, very optimistic for the summer. I always thought Mickey Arthur was quite hard done to by Pakistan, who I don't think they knew quite what they had at the time when they got rid of him. And um, I think if you if you engender that, yeah, play with a smile on your face, you enjoy your cricket, and you, you everybody's feeling positive. It actually shows, doesn't it? And uh, obviously yeah. that's happening at Derbyshire under under Mickey Arthur. Um, David Griffin, thank you very much indeed for being on the Cricket Badger podcast. Welcome to the Cricket Badger set of fame. Thanks to Jacob for uh, the nomination, um, and thank it's been great to have you. It's been a pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. And hopefully catch up with you somewhere down the road. Uh, I will hopefully see you this summer when the sun comes out finally. Um, Cricket badges everywhere. Thank you very much indeed for watching. Hopefully you tune in later on to the uh, audio as well. And uh, thank you again to David for uh, being with us today. You can get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast on Twitter at Cricket underscore Badger. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's uh, all over the place, the Cricket Badger podcast. Thanks to Manscaped.com for their sponsorship of the Cricket Badger podcast. And we will see you again next time. Cheers, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.